Welcome to the Beck and Siri Show. And here at Team Series Tri Club, it's not just about swim, bike, run. It's about who you become. On our show, we don't just talk to you about swimming, cycling, and running. We talk about mindset. We talk about fearless authenticity and being your very best self. Right. Good evening, everyone. Uh, Ivan here from IOG Bike Fit and Consulting. I was just pausing there because this is the first Facebook Live. An old dinosaur like me doesn't need to do things like this. So I've uh, texted Beck there and she told me that we're live and up and running. So thanks for your patience when you're all looking at me staring into the abyss. So um, yeah, it's great to be on and uh, I'll give a little bit of background and then we can get into some things that uh, that might be able to help you guys in the, in the coming weeks and months. So uh, we have a bike fitting studio here in Boulder. We work with a lot of athletes, full range from weekend warriors to the best of the best. And, um, you know, it's a great privilege. I have great history with um, Siri and Beck and worked with a lot of the squad members, a lot of the people that are on here. We've worked with either in person or information um, that we've shared online. So hi to everybody and got to meet some great people. I know you have a fantastic group and um yeah i really like um mostly watching from the sidelines but uh being part of it and uh here today i'll be able to hopefully help you so my main goal is to give you some concise information that will help you while you're at home and um i think no better place to start on that is uh is on contact points so when people talk about bike position and we immediately start thinking about aerodynamics and how somebody looks on a bike and how cool is their bike and things like that. But the fundamentals and the foundation of it, no different maybe to building a house, is what goes into it. So the three key things that you guys can think about um, is the contact points. And I'll give you a breakdown of like what makes good contact points and then you'll be able to kind of diagnose that information against uh, what you're doing at home yourselves. So with that said, let's start with the saddle. It's the most important contact point. And uh, when we talk about the saddle, we're looking at a, something that's comfortable, but also promotes good posture. So I'll be like a busy bee. I'll grab a couple of props here behind me so that I really try to get the, the penny to drop for you guys. When it comes to a saddle, obviously we need to sit on it and uh, it has to be comfortable. And then by, what I mean by promoting good posture is, can you rotate forward a little off your sit bones, more onto your pubic bones? particularly for those of you that are on tri-bikes. So let me grab that. So let's just say we take a saddle here. Go back here. We take a saddle here and we take um, the pelvic model that I have here. What you can see is like when a rider is upright, and I think of like this being the lower back. When a rider is upright and on a uh, road position, say, or on the base part, you're sitting mostly on your sit bones. So you're really like on that distance there, on that distance that uh, is your sit bone distance. And then when you go from this upright position into more like an aero position, then what happens is you end up more on your pubic ramble. So a saddle like this that has a, a cutout or the channel, that then makes for you know more comfort when a rider does rotate forward. So the benefit of rotating forward is you get to take some lumbar flexion out of your spine. So now we think of me on a bike, and if I was on a bike and the saddle was uncomfortable, and then like I rotated back to keep my sacrum a little bit more vertical, then it would like automatically pop this kind of 
flexion into my thoracic spine. Whereas if I don't change where my elbow is here and I just rotate from the hips, then it kind of lengthens out my torso. So it's a key, it's a key thing, you know? And a lot of you guys, long course athletes, spend hours on them. So being able to rotate your pelvis allows to break up that fatigue, allows blood flow back into skin folds, um, takes a bit of pressure off the sit bones and pubic bones that you're sitting on. So saddle comfort should be like eight out of 10, you know, high level uh, comfort. Um, so if you guys are on like stock saddles that came in your bikes or you haven't tried many saddles, then you probably just don't know whether you're on a good saddle or a bad saddle. And I definitely don't want people just like persevering and grinding through it and saying, oh, I guess this is just part of getting used to a saddle. It should be pretty instinctive, like kind of speed dating. That like you sit in this saddle is like, yeah, this feels pretty good. I'd like to take this for a test drive. And then the step two after that is how does it feel after an hour, after two hours and so on. So that will give you an indication. Try to get some saddles either by using some demo programs that companies offer where you can like return them if they don't work out. And I know that seems like a little bit of work um, and, and on the front end, but it's, it's work worth doing because once you get a saddle that's comfortable, you can take that from bike to bike and uh, you might change your bike, you might upgrade bikes, um, but uh, the contact points uh, will need to be of a, of a top quality. So that's uh, the saddle contact and I'll take questions. So I'll try and take a, like a, a little 10 minute um, run at these contact points and then we can read down through some of the questions. So the next thing will be, let's work down and go towards the feet. And um, I did mention like contact point, cranks can be considered as well. When you get a crank length that works for you, that's something that you might move from bike to bike. So again, the crank is an important piece of, of your equipment as also, but not necessarily a contact point. So the next contact point we'll talk about is the shoes and, and what's happening in the shoes and under the shoes. Maybe you have a shoe. So quick tip for you guys at home is you all have mostly will have cleats that you kind of like engage into the pedal. And um, the function of these cleats is to engage you and give you stability. So when your foot is in, in the shoe like this, it's not meant to be rocking from side to side. Yes, you have float that allows you to kind of move the angle of your foot a little which in turn can kind of help with the knee change in its its movement pattern through flexion and extension but the main function is to engage and get a good contact then if you think of like this um x-axis y-axis if this cleat just goes on straight then it allows you a little bit of flow to each side and a simple way to like look at a cleat being on straight is take a straight edge like a table and lay it on it now, this shoe, if that cleat wasn't on straight, would be pointing this way or this way. So something you can think about once you lay it on, pretend the straight edge is back here. Once you lay it on a straight edge, does your shoe look, you know, kind of off center? Um, some of the cleats that come, they give different floats so you can get a bit more movement or a bit less movement. And that just comes with experience and what's suitable to the riders. But maybe hang both your shoes on a little straight edge, like a kitchen counter or something, and just see, do they hang straight or are they like rotated one way or the other? The next one is, a, and some of this cookie cutter advice I wouldn't be terribly comfortable with because I obviously don't want to do kind of harm, giving people enough information to be dangerous. But I also want, I've written it down here, like home tips. I'm trying to give you some home tips. If people are dealing with like 
foot pressure and stuff like that. You can address some of that inside the shoe with different wedges. If your feet are going to sleep, uh, things like that, you can try different insoles. But also, and I'm coming back to the cleat, generally speaking, there's no harm with moving the cleat back all the way. So what that means is when the cleat moves back all the way, what that in kind of enables you to do is to put more foot over the pedal. So rather than having the pedal axle bisecting, say, under your big toe or under your first metatarsal head, where uh, there's little sesamoid bones and that can aggravate people. Generally, if you push the cleat back a bit further, then you have more foot over the pedal and, and tends to be a little bit maybe more comfortable for riders. So that's kind of the tip on, on that. Um, then when we go to the front end, if we're talking about road position or we're talking about uh, tri positions, let's talk about both of them. On a road position, and I'll grab two, two bars. Okay, so oh, here comes the strength. Why not? Okay, let's see if you guys can see this pretty easily. Kids have been playing with it, so it's all messed up. Let me let me raise this up to where it's not in line. Now you guys should be able to see that. I don't want too much going on here in the background. So in a road position, what I want you to think of is this bar is pretty flat, and then the hoods rotate up a little. So that means when sure we may as well climb aboard. When when you're up on the bike, then that your hand just goes like straight in there, kind of like a handshake. So you have a little bit of of angle there to support your hand and then when you're on the bike you can have a little bit of a soft bend in your elbow and think about the distance between your ear and your shoulder don't be shrugged like this try to be relaxed and athletic so on the front end on a trainer or on a road bike you should have good contact in the hoods a little bend in the elbow be able to ride in the drops and still be able to get over the brake levers and that gives you then the variation to move around and break up that fatigue and then generally think athletic on the position kind of like you're ready to do like a box jump you know you're just nice and relaxed you've got good length in your core and obviously if you don't have a good saddle under you that's going to massively like impact how you can sit on the saddle so that's a little front end tip there if we talk about the tri position and we just think of like a, a basic enough or straightforward um, cockpit here. Uh, for most tri positions, what we're trying to do is get the rider's elbow well planted on the arm pad and then uh, get the extension appropriately like measured in relation to distance. So you can see like that my hand is kind of just wrapping right over it. And if there was a shifter here, that I'd be able to access that. So now you've kind of seen a full kind of an indication that I've got good contact here. So it's not like halfway up my forearm because what happens here is you're going to drop down behind it and that's where gravity is going to go through your humerus. So um, in this position, if your arm pads were kind of halfway up your forearm, you'd have to grip on hard and you'd have to and really secure yourself to the bike. So that's going to increase a lot of tension in your shoulders. So um, good arm pad. Uh, connection. This is a kind of a small enough arm pad, so not a lot of surface area, and that could pro um, kind of prove to be a little bit challenging for some athletes. Um, as you know, there's multiples. Here's another one. Here's an arm pad, and you can see like just how much bigger it is in relation to these pads. So over a long course of time, when you're resting on these pads 
if you look at the contact area that I have there, it's like really big. And then I can move back and I can move forward. I can put my elbow in the middle. It's kind of got a nice little cup shape to it. So, you know, it'll hold you in place, particularly if the road is, is a little bit um, bumpy or rough or you're wet coming out of a swim and you want to feel secure and stuff like that. I'm waving to my neighbor, Jim, out the window. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of the contact points. And then this is just like kind of high level stuff in relation to um, the height of the arm pad in the front. That's obviously something that's kind of getting more into fit related. And uh, I'll give you one, one tip on that um, when we come to kind of, let's say, the fit setup. And that might uh, help people there. So hopefully that's some kind of concise information on feet and seat and front end. Um, we talked about the posture for the road bike. Let's talk about the posture just for a second for the tri bike. So um, again, if, if I just assume this kind of moderate kind of tri position, once I've got good contact in my elbow, I can kind of go there and I can reach there and kind of relax there. Um, if it's short and I'm choking back like this, or if the saddle isn't comfortable and I'm like scooching back on it, I begin to start getting stretched out. And you want a reasonable element of support under your body, kind of call this skeletal support. So similarly to like when you do a plank on the ground, you don't do like a big long reach, you just kind of tuck your elbows in under you. Now that's great for support, but it's not great for aerodynamics. So if you think of for people who are entering triathlon and just want some support and stability and not being too much of a, let's say, stressful position, then this arm with a, a taller torso or back angle becomes quite vertical under them. And then as they get more progressive in their position and they begin to race and, and ride more challenging positions, both the torso, which is this kind of chest angle, the torso and the elbow kind of move out like that. So hopefully that will give you an indication on um, just good posture. So I think like a lot of sports, running, swimming, you're trying to keep good length in your torso, whether that's like in order to have good control of your sacrum so that you can have good hip power transfer, or indeed if it's in relation to like diaphragm expansion or like GI capabilities, so how well you can ingest food. Um, you don't want to be on the bike like this, you know. So look at some images of Rini and other athletes. They hold great posture through their core. And, um, you know, that will give you some good indications um, on, on positions that like are just pretty relaxed. And uh, then you can get down to the business of just trying to generate power and, and get to your, your transition as effectively as possible. So... Um, now, what are we on? We're on uh, about 15 minutes. So maybe on those three points, um, maybe Beck, do you want to pop up any questions or if somebody has a question or two? There's only 10 of us on this. So if, uh, if you want to pop a question in, maybe uh, I can try and answer it. Alrighty. Everyone's busy now with the typing or they've all fallen asleep. That's okay too. I'll move on and I'll keep an eye on these comments and if a question comes up, I'll come back to it. So I think the next thing I want to talk about then is some of the fit coordinates. So seat height, there's one, in she comes and you can kick me off on, um, it'll kick me off on fit coordinates. So seat height, um, Let's think about this as, as quick as, as um, 
or as, as concise as we can. The, the important thing about C-type is that you get enough extension in your knee. The reason that you're looking for good extension in your knee is your quads and your glutes will unload. So let me just show you in relation to a squat. If I was to do a squat here and I like sit down into the squat and then I come back up, I haven't like locked my knees out, I've just finished the squat. So that allows me to get like unload to where I'm not still under load. If I do the same squat, maybe I should go back. If I do the same squat and I come to the top and then I go down like an inch or a couple of centimeters, then that load is still fundamentally and largely through my quads. So what that means is the quadricep tendon over the patella is, is still loaded. There's still some muscle tension in there. So what you want from the muscles is you want them to lengthen through flexion and then contract. And uh, in, in that extension, they get their recovery. So that's a little bit of the background of like, why is it? Is it a range of motion thing? Is it because somebody said it was a good idea? It's in order to get the muscles to recover after they've contributed to, to generating the power. So how do you do that when you're at home? Um, you know, there's knee extension values. There's kind of widely accepted values. Again, we're getting into the weeds here, but uh, probably the most simple tip of all that, that I got, and it's not today or yesterday that this tip is around, is that a rocker would sit on your bike and I'll the screen until, yeah, you'll be able to see this. A rider would sit in their bike with their, you can see I got dressed for the occasion, and they would clip out of the pedal, they would put their foot to the bottom, and they would just be able to rub their heel. Now, as you, with a straight leg, but as you can see, this pushes me way higher with a straight leg at the bottom of the pedal stroke. So this satellite is too high. So for me then, if, if somebody sent me in this video and somebody was pedaling like this, I would be saying to them that this is just too bent at the bottom of the pedal stroke. And I would say that this saddle height needs to increase until we get to like there. And I know that that's kind of a subjective value. It's, it's not a value when I say there. But what you need to think about is getting a suitable saddle height that allows your knee to extend. 40 degrees could be a number. And um, look, if people start using Darkfish and they start using other like 2D video apps, it can be okay as long as you get the good markers. So marker on your hip, on your knee and your ankle so that you can actually measure what that joint line is. So 40 degrees will be a number there. And, um, and the old school way would be to sit in the saddle, clip out, put your heel on the page, pedal and it should be just able to touch it at the bottom. Um, now that would mean that your leg is fully extended, but then when you go to clip in, it puts the bend back into your knee to where you don't put yourself in harm's way, you don't hyperextend. So a little bit of a tricky one. Uh, one other little formula is you take an inseam measurement and you multiply that by 0.887. So if I took my inseam measurement and multiplied it by, in centimeters and multiplied it by 0.887, let's say I got 692 millimeters. It might be a little on the low side, so I might add, you know, 5% and call it like, um, you know, 698 or 700. That would be pretty close. So that's inseam measurement, multiply in centimeters, multiply by 0.887, a couple of little bike fit tricks there to kind of get starting saddle heights. And um, if I give you the example that I did this with a chap in Seattle and um, he was riding 725 satellite and a kind of an estimate like that should have been like 765. 
So you would imagine if I showed you the first video that I got for that rider, was this rider sitting very low with a lot of bend in, in the knee. So um, yeah, so that's kind of a, a tip that might work there. Uh, inseam by 0.887, yeah, or 0.88, it's gonna be really, really close. And then when you say 40 degrees inside the knee, it's 180, so basically it'll be the flexed value. Um, so what that would mean is, if we took a vertical line out here, that this line in here between my shin and here, this gap would be 40, so the gap behind would be 140. So the gap behind your knee is called the included angle, that would be 140, and the gap in front of your knee is called the excluded angle, but the other portion of what makes the 180, and uh, that would be 40. So hopefully that'll help on satellite. Um, now, somebody else said, um, okay, what about uh, clicking out and seeing if your foot can touch the cleat in the top of the pedal? Okay, so it's it's more when your pedal's at the bottom and then your heel would just rub um, the bottom. So let me uh, let me show that to you. Jack it up, jack it up. I'll give you the example coming from the opposite side. What about a satellite that's too high? I may not even be able to click in. So, shit, these are my shoes. I may as well put them on. Nothing like a bit of entertainment. Okay. Makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? So, let's just say that, um, and I'll exaggerate this. Okay. So, high set of satellite. So when I would clip in, do that that leg is like virtually fully extended yes there's a little bit more but that's extended how i protect that knee is i just point my toe so what i what I, what would happen if i had to ride this satellite is i would ride with my toe pointed and that would give me the extension or the flexion that i would need so i wouldn't be overextended let's clip out for a sec so if i sat even on the saddle i just have both legs here okay so if i sat even on the saddle you can probably see that i can't touch that pedal Okay, so really that saddle, I should lower it until I'm about an inch down because that's how much away I am. Okay, so let's, let's see if we can do that. Okay, Boom. so now, do you see the way my heel, let me just put the pedals, see the way I can just rub it like that? So yes, it's a straight leg, but now when I clip in, try to keep the hand in the same place, now you can see that amount of bend. So then I have use of this foot. I can change the foot angle before I um, change the foot angle, with, um, which in turn kind of impacts my knee. But now I can go through that pedestal, and this would not be too too bent to the bottom of the pedestal. And I have the people. Some people like to drive their knee, and some people their foot can be a little bit taller. A lot of that can can be based on uh, how tight. Your calves are, or indeed it can it can be in relation to um, to how much ankle mobility you have. So yeah, a couple of things there. So hopefully that that gave you enough that you could just jump up on the bike in the trainer and see either the 0.887 or 0.88, uh, or if I was sitting just straight on my saddle and I it clipped out, would I be able to rub my heel off the off the pedal? And um, if you can reach it, great. If you're rubbing your heel off the pedal and your knee is bent a lot, that's that's telling you you need to raise that satellite. So, um, yes, we're on 529. That's a seat height. Uh, we did talk about fit coordinates. Um, let's say in relation to the saddle, so from the saddle, 
to the front end, oh, nearly fell off the chair. So a lot of people might think, okay, I'm not a pro rider, so how much drop do I ride, you know? Should it be like this? Should it be like that? How long should this be in relation to the saddle? So the, the fit coordinates we're talking about here is, we've just talked about satellite, and now we talk about, well, how much drop is too much, or how much is too little? And obviously there's no like simple answer, but one thing I think I could do to give you a tip for at home is, um, obviously it depends on the level of racing that you're doing. If you're an entry level athlete, if you're racing for the first time, you don't want too much drop if you don't have the flexibility or you know the, the, the capability to manage that position uh, over time. Then you see a lot of athletes where they ride where the front end is nearly level with their saddle. But what happens is you're going to have a resulting a very tall back angle like that. Because as you can see the line of where my elbow is in relation to my hip is, then what I'm doing is I'm kind of propped up at, let's say that this back angle is 35 degrees. Okay, so if a, if a, a level um, arm pad and saddle gave you 35 degrees, then what would, let's say, um, if I was riding and, and I wanted to say, okay, if you look at the size of my fist and we say that this is eight centimeters, okay? Maybe the size of my fist in relation to the saddle height would be a reasonable amount to drop. So for smaller riders, that could be five centimeters, could be eight centimeters, could be 10 centimeters, depending on the, the rider's size itself. So I would say as a very basic, the arm pad should never be taller than the saddle. Um, for an entry level position, it could be four to five centimeters. You can use your fist maybe as a baseline. So you take a level off your saddle down to your arm pad. If you can kind of fit the height of your fist in there, that's going to be a pretty moderate position. And some pros are riding a lot of drop and that might be like two fist height, which could be 12, 13 centimeters. So maybe that's a little workaround for um, people to stand back, look at their bike and say, okay, my, my arm pads are like a long way down or my arm pads are above the saddle. Think of absolute normal or, or starting point should be should be level. And if you're in any way competitive or racing for a couple of years, you probably have five plus centimeters and uh, you can use your fist as a guideline for, um, for a proportionate amount to drop. Because what I'm trying to do is give something that's proportionate to everyone that's listening here. Um, and the other factors are like, what's your flexibility? What's your experience with handling the bike um, and, and riding time trial positions? because largely riding these time trial positions are dictated very much by your head and the weight of your head. And, um, you know, some of us get riding outside because we reach for a water bottle and the bike starts going that way, or we look over our shoulder for a car and the bike starts going the opposite direction. So what that tells you is the impact of the weight of your head um, because you're so forward in the position. So like when you ride a time trial position, you could have 60, 70% of your weight on the front end so like you kind of lead like that um, and uh, when you're more on a road position you're more centered so you can nearly say that this is center of mass so there's more weight behind but when you're in a time trial position you have more weight in front all right so hopefully that's a little uh, tip on on uh, the arm pad position um, what else is there that I can give you obviously um, we'll take more questions but um, you can look at like some of the information that we have on say instagram for some of the tips on, on these contact points 
and for some tips on, on posture. Um, do some measurements at home, get some saddle heights, uh, get some like arm pad drop to see where you are compared to the advice that I've given you today. Um, if you're symptomatic, that should go up in the list. Like if you're not enjoying your riding, you're struggling, then you should be talking to your coach or you should be sending the likes of us a message to try and get some of our advice um, that can kind of guide you on that. Just for goodness sake, don't just suffer through it for the sake of it because there's no no medals for that. You can't register that in Training Peaks or Today's Plan or anywhere else. So uh, yeah, don't suffer through it. Reach out to us or reach out to uh, one of the coaches that you have um, and hopefully they'll be able to help we have um we have some online services um which basically gives you just like quality time with us to go through it so if um the the chap i had ring me from seattle he rang with some knee pain obviously we quickly established the saddle height was ridiculously low and he just didn't know he was just sitting further and further back in it and he was driving his heel to try and give himself some knee extension um we got that quickly addressed but we didn't feel like the saddle would be great by the time we got the height right. So we gave him three steps. Step one was set the saddle height to where we thought it would be good for muscular aspects and to see if it would re reduce the strain on his knee. It did, and it was night and day. He wasn't convinced about the saddle because now when it was at a proper height, it created more pressure and he got to really kind of find out that he was sitting on his sit bones and that saddle shape wasn't good for him. So we gave him some advice. He went to... Uh, Cobb and ISM and these companies will sell direct and they'll do returns and he's going to do a little bit of uh, saddle trials and then the third thing was we gave him um, what to do with that like we could give him fit coordinates so for him he was going to ride a 780 saddle height which mightn't mean anything to somebody but it was going to be a 780 satellite and he was going to ride at five centimeters behind the bottom bracket so we guided him through how to set that up so we knew the saddle would be in a good place and then kind of using like what we did in relation to arm pad drop we gave him a little guideline for how he could do that the follow-up for him was we wanted his feedback on that those changes and when he got to that point we'd be able to use those fit coordinates providing it was comfortable and providing he was able to put out good power and he would share a video with us and we'd be able to review that and then from there he had like a 10 year old tri bike but from that he had bought just to get going which we totally understand and from there then uh, he would be able to upgrade and buy a newer bike so we'd be able to give him some advice on what fit measurements would be suitable for sale um, online calculators so a lot of bike brands now will look for arm pad stack and reach and numbers like that so um uh, if you think of it that service was a, an online bike fit it was 149 dollars but i suppose it worked out well for him and and we just like helping people so there isn't a limit on the kind of information we give you we know the outcome is what's going to be measured so we're aiming for like excellent outcomes to where athletes are really happy with the information they got so what he walked away with was an immediate change a roadmap to kind of modify a tri position even on an old bike which was absolutely fine it could it could um it could we could use it as a dress rehearsal and also advice that he could buy the correct bike when he had um, most of his fit position um established so that just gave him a lot of confidence that he wouldn't be buying like the wrong size bike and then trying to go and get a fit so just three three parts i i didn't know the fit process was going to go that way but uh we share everything on google drive and we maintain the videos and we can um and maintain a simple document that we can exchange uh, feedback from the rider as to how that roadmap is going. And that's kind of how an online service goes. So uh, not trying to 
you know, just like push her own business, but to give you an insight into, well, what would an online consultation involve and where would I get the value? Like, why, why would it suit me? Um, I think if you can use some of the tips I've used, great. And you can write comfortably and, and you're quite satisfied that you're putting out decent power. And that's, that's absolutely fabulous. Lots of, there's world-class writers that have never had a fit. So some of you guys would be able to figure it out and, and, uh, for sure, that's that's how I started out myself, and uh, that could be fine. But if you're symptomatic or you're struggling with a position, or you don't have comfort, or you're considering investing in equipment, or you're considering buying a new bike, I think then uh, reaching out to us might might uh, merit that. So let's see if there's any any more positions. So Beck now is talking about the bottom bracket. She wants to know like where would you put the saddle in relation to the bottom bracket. Um, so let's just say you use the 0.88 for saddle height. Uh, here's something that you can replay back but if you're able to scribble a note, scribble a note now. If your saddle height is 70 centimeters or lower, you should probably set that saddle up at zero. So directly above the bottom bracket. If your saddle height is like closer to 750, you should probably set that saddle up at three centimeters behind the bottom bracket. So somebody that's riding 750 could be 30 millimeters behind the bottom bracket. And then for taller riders, that would be like 775 or 800. It could be five centimeters behind the bottom bracket. So what that tells you is it's just a scale. It's a scale and, and, and all of this is in relation to saddles where riders would sit a little further forward on. Um, on road saddles, you have to sit further back. So if you sit further back on a road saddle, then the saddle has to come forward. So the measurements I've just given you are more for like your cobs that you sit on the front half, um, your ISMs, uh, specialized Soteros, whatever. We're not brand centric because it's down to whatever works for the um, athlete. You know, I shouldn't say we're not brand centric, but we're not focusing on one brand, but um, it's what works for the riders. But by and large, most riders are getting comfortable on these like forward sitting saddles. So you have a bit of a scale. So if somebody said to me, oh, my saddle height is seven eight or is 680, and my saddle is five centimeters behind the bottom bracket. If you looked at that kind of little progression that I've given you, that saddle is too far back for that rider. So that rider will be behind the pedal, pedal stroke. And that, effect, and that affects Beck's next question. You know, Beck is a secret bike fitter. She loves this stuff. And if she wasn't busy doing a million other things, this is what she'd want to do. So um, uh, her next question was the plumb line. Well, stay with the smaller athlete, 680 saddle height, saddle is five centimeters behind so it's too far back when you drop a plumb line and what she means there is where is the rider's knee in relation to the pedal stroke is it behind or is it in front so if this rider was sitting too far back then when you drop the plumb line it would be too far behind the pedal stroke ideally that plumb line is just to give a guideline that your knee would be uh, in front or certainly on top of the pedal stroke um, when it's at the front of the pedal stroke and look, that's just pedaling dynamics. There's a power phase on the front, and there's a recovery phase on the back. And what that means is on the power phase, here comes the crank into the power phase. You're trying to like get the most power when it's at like three o'clock or at the front of the stroke, because that's where you're getting the, the, the biggest, what they call force vectors. And it's also where you're able to like get your center of mass over the pedal stroke uh, more effectively. So that's the term uh, kind of associated with somebody sitting behind the pedal stroke or on top of the pedal stroke or in front of the pedal stroke. So hopefully that kind of helps. So that's some fit coordinates. So I've given you kind of a couple of tips on satellite, a couple of tips on where it should be. 
think the simplest tip of all is, you know, um, the, the saddle has a seat post and like, and the bike has a seat post. And is it like all the way forward or all the way back? Like, you know, you should ask some questions if it's kind of in one extreme or another. So a quick little look at your bike and then you can get into more complex things of trying to measure plumb lines. The, the challenge we have, um, the challenge you guys have, it's really good for business for us is to do this stuff at home is highly kind of risky because you know you're calling your family and you're hold that and drop this and something mightn't be level and you know you're kind of what you're getting then is you're getting just kind of human error and uh, the kind of information you're recording is not that accurate so then you start making decisions on that and uh, maybe some people uh, do too much of that and then they eventually pick up the phone or send uh, us a, a an email looking for some help so I, to I totally get it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we're 40 minutes in. I don't know, maybe you guys are sick of all this. Um, but uh, as, uh, as I said, you can get some of our information online, ivanogorman.com, and, um, and that might uh, help you. There's some useful bits in there. Somebody said, should the saddle be flat? Well, here's the thing. Um, what you're trying to do is you're trying to, you're trying to sit in the saddle and be able to rotate forward without pressure. So obviously, I suppose, if you look at these like um, pubic rami here, and if the saddle was pointed up like that, then as you roll forward, like you're getting pressure. So level is probably a good starting point, but generally a little bit more nose down allows the rider to still be stable, because you don't want to be like sliding forward on the saddle like this. But so probably zero uh, to like minus three. But, you know, if you've got an uncomfortable saddle and you try and point it down like that, it's still going to be a goddamn uncomfortable saddle. You're just going to end up putting a ton of load on your knees and you're going to be sliding forward. Um, so, again, you know, uh, I, I, I obviously am very passionate about what I do. And when I say to somebody zero to minus three, there's a lot of reasons where that wouldn't be suitable um, because there's different sh saddle shapes and, and so on. But not to try and... Uh, uh, get myself in the weeds too much, but uh, I should give myself a get out of jail card. But these are all guidelines, seek professional advice. <laughs> so yeah, one to three degrees down will probably be fine. Uh, anybody dealing with um, uh, issues? And, and while somebody question puts a question up, um, I'll say the biggest barrier to performance is comfort. And the biggest contribution to attaining comfort is contact points. So hopefully I've driven that message home and uh, yeah, and you guys uh, can get some value from it. Yeah, so uh, maybe we're there. We'll, uh, we'll go for a, a couple of more minutes and if questions come in, I'll answer them. And if not, we'll make a hard stop at 50. Sciatica, no such thing, fake news. So Becca's asking about sciatica. Like, here's the thing. A lot of athletes are, um, okay, so generally, when you think of injuries, what are most athletes dealing with in injuries? It's all rear kinetic chain, you know? So Achilles, calves, hamstrings, lower back, thoracic, tight neck, numb hands, so much of it, it's not about like frontal. So what happens is we're all here on our laptops and on the phone trying to see how many likes we got and all that kind of bullshit, and we just have terrible posture. So then when it comes to wanting to engage and wanting to get uh, um, athletic, we don't have the length. 
So I would say I'm not going to give it like a specific cure for sciatica. I'm just going to say most of the origin of issues come from rear kinetic chain. So adding length to that, looking at errands, uh, looking at kind of tissue management and, and dynamic exercises. That's, that's all the kind of stuff that gives you a bit of an insurance policy for not developing issues on the, on the bike. So um, hopefully that'll help. Um, tingling in the feet yeah like the so tingling or numbness is like that's associated with blood flow or nerve impingement don't ignore this stuff it's not to say that it could be like very bad although there are plenty of athletes that have to have um you know surgeries and so on for impingements particularly around the hip area so don't ignore things like that numbness having issues urinating uh, feet that are asleep for couple of k off the bike this is something that needs like high level advice on that so generally when it comes to feet it's in the shoe and it's under the shoe and you need to go through a process of elimination to see what's suitable there um proper distance between the elbows yeah okay what if i said to you you all know frodo riding like that because it's about aerodynamic he's trying to get as narrow as possible naturally if we all do planks I'm not going to be out here. I'm not going to be in here. I'm just going to like vertically down from the shoulder. So like the, the legs of a table, like they're pretty much parallel and that's a great position to be in. So again, it could be center to center on arm pads. It could be 22, it could be 24, it could be 14. And I think just this, obviously, as you can see here, will just put more stress on your shoulders. And um, so I think just, again, start with something that's neutral to you, not what the experts say, just like what's neutral to you. And then if you're more aerodynamic focused, you're trying to manage your posture. Because like I can be big or I can be small, depending on posture, maybe not so big. Um, so what, what I mean is from a base point of arm pad width, if you're aerodynamically driven, you're trying to get narrower. If you're comfort driven, you're just trying to like um, stabilize yourself skeletally by having your elbows under you and in line with your shoulders. Uh, what else is there? Um, functional moves. Yes, MC, everybody loves some functional moves. A lot of functional moves going on at the, at the time of this recording, I'd say. Um, okay, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of it. Well, listen, it's been a lot of fun. And I don't want to overstay my welcome and bore you all, but I uh, just want to say a personal shout out to Siri and Beck. Uh, we've been friends for a long time and we, um, you know, we, we don't spend a lot of time together because we've all got busy lives. But they're dear friends of mine and I'm there for them and they're there for me. And um, that's the kind of support and friendship that they've extended to you guys uh, in this club. So big shout out to those guys and uh, your thoughts all the time and uh then for the rest of you guys to help and we've met a lot of friends i'm not going to start mentioning them through through the siri crew and, and through beck's crew over the years lots of relationships particularly drinking done as well at Kona after party and uh and so on so just uh thank you to all of you guys it's great to be a part of it and um keep up the good work and keep looking after yourselves and each other all right, so I'm going to kill this live video. All the best from, uh, from Nywat, Colorado.